The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. As we remain standing, let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you have conquered death, that you have destroyed the power of sin, that you have risen from the dead and invited us to new and everlasting life in you. May we see you risen and reigning today and accept this gift of life forever. We pray for the honor and glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, one of the most fascinating things about Matthew's account of Easter morning is that he gives us two possible explanations for what happened that day. Either Jesus rose from the dead and changed the course of history, or his disciples snuck into the tomb, stole his body, and fabricated the greatest lie that's ever been told. Now, the other Gospels, Mark, Luke, and John, they don't give us this second option. They simply report what the women saw, heard, and came to believe. But Matthew gives us both. He invites us into the confusion, the drama, and the various possibilities of that morning. And by doing so, he asks, what do you think happened? He turns the focus onto us, and he invites us to make our own decision about the day that reshaped the world. Well, on that day, the women arrived in the gray light before dawn. It was the first day of the week, and an auspicious detail that says, as far as Matthew is concerned, that this is the beginning of something new. The women's arrival at the tomb coincides with a terrifying scene. The earth shakes as they draw near. There's a flash of light and an angel appears like fire in the fading night. And when the, women's, when, when the women's eyes had adjusted, they saw him astride an enormous stone with a troop of armed men crumpled at his feet. 
Do not be afraid, he said. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. The angel gets right to the point. He tells them what has happened, but more than that, he invites them to come and see for themselves. Now, this idea gets repeated time and again throughout the passage. The angel repeats it when he urges the women to find the disciples and direct them to Galilee where they will see Jesus. And Jesus repeats it when he meets the women moments later and says, tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Come and see is the invitation of the text. The angel and Jesus invite the women to look inside the tomb, to take stock of the situation, to decide for themselves what story they will believe. Come and see. It's an invitation for all of us. So what do we see? What do we see this morning? Well, what everyone could agree on that day was that Jesus wasn't in the tomb. There was no body. When the guards came to, they snuck off to the Jewish elders to tell them what had happened. In order to convince the guards that they hadn't seen what they had actually seen, the Jewish elders crafted a conspiracy to explain Jesus' disappearance and then offered them a bribe. Matthew tells us they took the money and did as they were directed. It is a haunting conclusion. But of course, the story that the elders concocted, it doesn't hold together. How could the soldiers have been asleep and at the same time seen the disciples stealing the body? How could a few fishermen roll back an enormous stone and rob a grave without waking a single member of a squad of trained killers? The centurions, they knew that the penalty for death, they, they knew that the penalty for failing to do their job was death. It's inconceivable that they would have allowed the disciples to get away. The soldiers were asked to lie, and the truth is they took the easy way out. Sometimes it's easier to live with a lie than to accept the truth and let it change your life. But what about the disciples? What did they do? What did they see? Most of the 12, most of the 12 went on to be martyred for their faith in Christ, killed for claiming that he'd risen from the dead. Liars don't make very good martyrs. You have to really believe something in order to die for it. The disciples and so many others like them chose to die because of what they had seen with their own eyes the risen Jesus. The story of a stolen body, it just doesn't hold with the facts of the day. Matthew says, come and see. And we hesitate, understandably so. Are we willing to believe what we see and let that shape everything else? If we choose to believe that Jesus did actually rise from the dead, there are consequences. We have to take seriously all that Jesus said about himself, about God the Father, and about the lives that he calls us to lead. If Jesus rose from the dead, then things about us will need to change. No more comfortable lies. 
No more taking the money. No more living for ourselves as if all that matters is this life alone. There's a lot at stake on Easter morning. The centurions knew this. The women knew this. And we know this. Perhaps that's why the repeated invitation to come and see, it's accompanied by the repeated instruction, do not be afraid. The guards were terrified by the angel and they fainted. The women were terrified as well, but they stood their ground in order to hear what he would say. Do not be afraid were the very first words out of his mouth. Now, this isn't the first time in Matthew's gospel that we hear these words on the lips of an angel. You may remember that this is the way the whole story begins for Matthew. An angel appears to Joseph, who has just learned that his fiancée is pregnant. He's contemplating breaking things off when an angel appears and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In the same way that the story began, so it comes to its ultimate conclusion. The angel says, do not be afraid. And the angel isn't merely saying to the women, it's okay, you don't need to be afraid of me. I'm not going to hurt you. In the context of the story that Matthew has been telling all along, what the angel is saying is this. The angel is saying the work is done. Salvation has come. There is nothing left to fear. Well, minutes later, when Jesus greets the women, he repeats these words, don't be afraid. He isn't just saying, don't worry, I'm okay. He's saying, look, I've risen. I have conquered. You need not be afraid of anything ever again. If we're honest, we have to admit that so much of our lives are lived in fear. We fear the judgment of others. We fear that we won't amount to much of anything. We fear disappointing our parents or our spouse or our boss. We fear suffering. We fear that we'll never stop being afraid. There's so many things in life that we're afraid of, but there are only two things really that we should actually fear, the power of sin and the power of death. These, these are the things that can destroy us. But when Jesus rose from the grave, he destroyed the power of death to keep us down forever, and he destroyed the power of sin to keep us separate from God. The centurions guarding the tomb, they feared death more than anything else. That's why they took the money, so that they'd be protected by the chief priests if Pilate caught wind of their failure and sought to have them killed. They were so afraid of death, they were so afraid of death, they couldn't see that Jesus had destroyed it, that Jesus had robbed it of its power and invited those who believed in him to new life on the other side of death. The irony is that they actually chose death that day instead of life because they refused to see what they saw. It was their fear that blinded them to the presence of hope. I don't know what you might be afraid of this morning. 
It might be death, it might be failure. What I do know is that neither you nor I have anything left to fear. Sin and death, the two great threats, have been defeated. Don't let fear blind you to the presence of hope outside the empty tomb. Instead, let the hope of this day drive out every last vestige of fear. Fear doesn't just fade on its own. We know this. It has to be forced out, pushed out by something more powerful. And what's more powerful than fear is hope. Fear is rooted in uncertainty. The hope we have in Jesus is rooted in certainty. Hope is what the women held on to when they grabbed Jesus' feet. His physical body raised from the dead is the hope of the world. And that hope drives away fear. There's one other phrase that gets repeated throughout this narrative. It's the phrase, go and tell. The angel instructs the women to go and tell the disciples what they've seen. Jesus asks the women to go and tell the disciples to join him in Galilee. And in the final verses of Matthew's gospel that follow this incredible scene, Jesus instructs his followers to go and tell the world. Easter is not a private party. It's public celebration. And what we see and believe, we go and tell others. What drives us isn't duty or a sense of obligation. What drives us is joy. When you know that there's nothing to fear in life or in death, how can you keep that to yourself? So what is it exactly that we tell others? Well, we tell them this, that the Son of God laid down his life for you that he endured the cruelest of deaths in order to save you, that when he rose from the dead, he rejoiced not just at his own life restored, but at the gift of life he now offers to you. Today means that death is not the end, that sin cannot separate us from God, that life and love and righteousness win, that hope drives out fear. This is what we go and tell the world. Come and see. Come and see. That's the invitation this morning. Come and see the empty tomb and dare to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The story that began with an angel telling Joseph not to be afraid, that Mary's child would save the world, that story ends with an angel repeating the same message in front of an empty tomb. The child who came to save has accomplished his mission through death and resurrection. It is not what we would expect, but it is everything that we need. There is nothing left to fear. Finally, go and tell. We are not merely spectators today. We're witnesses, changed by what we've seen and by what we've believed. And so we share this good news with the world. Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen.